the um, first part of uh, Ephesians, which is talking about God has a plan for all of creation. He has a plan for each of our individual lives, and He has a plan for the world, and the plan is to share His riches, to share His goodness with uh, all of us, and that is primarily given to us through Jesus Christ. So that was last week, the treasure map of God. There's a plan for all of history. There's a plan for your life. This week, we're going to talk about something slightly different, but still on the topic of riches, of being blessed with lots and lots of wonderful things. And this week, you can see it right here on that first line. It's all about an inheritance. Uh, I'm sure y'all know what an inheritance is, right? I mean, I don't need to explain it too in depth, but let me just refresh us a little bit. It's basically a legacy. It's when money or assets or some other form, like a home or some other form of property is passed on through a family line, right? It's given down to the next generation. It's given down to a son or a daughter, or if there's no children, it's given on to like a cousin or, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever had a surprise inheritance, but it can be absolutely incredible. You get a phone call and it's like, hey, did you realize you had an old lost uncle? who lived on an island, who was a millionaire, and now he wants to give you money, wouldn't that be sweet? (laughs) But here's the bottom line for an inheritance. Here's the bottom line. It is being given something that you did not earn. That's an inheritance. Being given something that you did not earn. All you did was be born into that particular family or to that particular person or group of people. And how many of us we're participating in our own birth, right? Not a whole lot of us. There's, there's nothing you did. You didn't do a thing. You were just given something based upon the fact that you were born into that family. And so that's what Paul is getting at here in this passage this morning. When he says we've obtained an inheritance, we have tons of riches coming our way, but it's, but it's through the same way that it works for humans. It's been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We touched on predestination already, but this is the idea, this is a truth we need to revisit. It's the reality that God loved us before we were born, and he chose us in Christ before we were born. That's the idea that Paul's talking about with this predestination thing, and it's the idea that God is the one who is the great actor, and he is the one who brings people into his family. And then, and that's what we're going to have today, he just throws out blessing upon blessing, riches upon riches through Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, Paul, who wrote these words, the Apostle Paul, he knew this firsthand. He knew he did not figure out the truth of Christianity. He was, and we've talked about this already in this passage, he was blasted on a pathway, on a journey he was taking in the book of Acts, and, the, and Jesus appeared before him uh, in a fiery, or a, a kind of a light form. So he knew what it was like to be picked or to be chosen, because at the time, he was actually killing Christians. And then through that experience on the Damascus Road, he ended up becoming one of the greatest writers of all of Scripture. It's an incredible story about how God is active and is at work and is changing lives and hearts. So Paul knew all about this predestined thing. Y'all, and it's a good reminder for us at this point to remember, to just remember that no one 
believes in Christianity or is converted to Christianity because they're really smart. It's just a good reminder for Charlottesville in general because there's a lot of smart people here. I don't know if you've noticed that yet. Uh, We even have UVA students. Whoa. Um, And it's easy for us to think, okay, a good argument or a good a book that's written properly that can speak to someone who is you know high up in, a, in an intellectual sense can probably sway them to the truths of the Bible or the truths of Christianity and it's never worked that way. It's never worked that way. It's not something that you can figure out and go. I knew it all along. This this makes much more sense than anything else. That's, it is impossible because God is the one who does the work in a heart to bring people to himself. And it's a, I think it's an encouragement for us, y'all, that you don't have to, if, if you're talking with someone about God or about the Bible or about Jesus, you don't have to convince them of something. It's not like you have to have this treatise of, well, I've got it all figured out and I know how every connection makes a connection to this book and that book. It doesn't, it's not like that. It's extremely simple. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says the gospel. We're going to talk about the gospel later on. But he's like, it's super simple. People already know they're sinful. You, you, you truly do not have to convince people that they're sinful. They know it. I mean, all you have to do is ask someone the question, what do you do with your guilt? <laughs> and I don't care who you are, from what walk of life you're from, you have trouble dealing with that question. I don't care. It's something that we just intuitively know because God has written the word on our hearts. It's already there. It's extremely simple. And then it's a call to repentance. Once we, once we have someone who, that, that acknowledges that they have sin in their life, there's a call to repent. Repent and believe, the Bible says. Ask God for forgiveness for those sins and turn to Jesus and believe in him. Boom. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be a treatise. You don't have to have every I dotted and every T crossed to be able to share the gospel truth uh, with other people. And the reason I think that's good for us is that it's a reminder of that's always how God has worked. I don't know if you guys know, but one of the reasons that um, Christianity is pretty widespread in America even today is the fact that in the mid-1800s and throughout the, the second half of the 19th century, there was these things called revivals. You may have read about this or not, but they, were, they swept the nation, especially the Northeast. And then people were being brought to Christianity that had never thought about Christianity before in droves. And the reality is, every revival, I've, I've read some accounts of them. There was one at the college that I went to, uh, undergrad. It was, happened the year before I got there. And when someone describes a revival, whether it was in the Northeast or whether it was at the college I went to, it's almost always as simple as this. People started getting up and confessing sin. That's it. The one, the one at the school I went to, it's up in Chicago, it's called Wheaton College. There was literally a meeting on Sunday evenings, and this one student gets up and is like, I'm just going to, I just got to say something. And just pff, spills all of his like secret dark sins right there, and then bam, a line forms behind him, and then it wraps outside the building, and then it wraps around one of the other buildings, and student after student after student, it went till five in the morning, getting up, confessing their sin before God. That was it. And a revival swept over the campus. People were brought close to God. They were brought to God for the first time. But the way the the gospel works in our lives is incredibly simple and incredibly freeing and beautiful. It's freeing and beautiful. Now, our inheritance is predestined. We just talked about that. It's predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things 
according to the counsel of His will. We don't figure it out. God does the work. He brings us to Himself. Boom. End of story. That's the predestined part. Now let's talk about the substance of our inheritance. That's how we get the inheritance, God's action in our life. What is, what is this inheritance all about? What are these riches that are given to us? Well, it's very simple. Paul talks about them over and over in his writings throughout the New Testament. And it's these three things. You heard me talking to the kids this morning about this very thing. Faith, hope, love. Those are the big, the big ones of the gifts of God. <laughs> the main ones, shall we say. And we're going to look at them um, in three in, in a different way today, in a different order, I should say. We're going to look at hope first, then we're going to look at faith, and then we're going to look at love, because it's all in this passage. You see right here it says, so that we, you see the third line down on the far side, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ. Hope is absolutely at the center of the Christian message. And everyone needs hope. Y'all, we, we were meant to run on hope. Let me, I'm going to use an illustration I, I read this week um, that hopefully can help us get at the idea of hope and how powerful it can be in a person's life, in your life, in my life. Imagine two people, okay, same type of person, and they're working a job, and it's the same type of job. And these, they're in rooms next to each other, right? There's one who's in room A, and then there's one who's in room B, and everything in the room is identical, and the task they have to perform, which is incredibly menial, like it's, you know, put it, screwing a cap on a toothpaste tube or something along those lines. They have to do it for 14 hours a day. Okay? And it's identical setting. It's too hot in there because the thermostat's broken. It's stuffy. It's humid. Imagine just kind of a miserable working condition. Two people right next to each other, same room, same conditions. The first person you walk into and you whisper to them uh, through the door and you say, hey, if you keep screwing on the caps to these toothpaste tubes, at the end of the year, you're going to get $10,000. Wow. Okay. Then you walk, you say, you close the door, you walk over to the person in room B and you say to them, listen, hey, if you keep screwing on these caps at the end of the year, you're going to get a billion dollars. Whoa. Okay, now, now imagine this for a minute. What's the reaction going to be to the, of the two people in the room? Help me out. How is this going to affect their work? Help me out. Short term, it'll be like, okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Short term might be like, oh, okay, whatever. But long term, what's, what's going to be the, the result long term? Bitterness. Do what? Bitterness. Bitterness for the person who's making 10000 right? And let's go ahead and the corollary of that. Joy for the person who's making a billion. Even though for the whole year they are in miserable conditions, screwing on a tiny little cap, their whole reality has changed. Because why? They know at the end of it all there is a massive reward that is coming. That, y'all, is hope. That's hope. And it's easy for people to say, like, okay, Christian hope, yeah, blah, 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 going to heaven after you die, let her. No, 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 no. It matters. It matters for your life today and tomorrow and this afternoon if you know what your future is. And if it's either super awesome billion dollars or I have no idea, I'm scared, I, I don't know if it's just I like fade into oblivion or I turn into darkness or whatever. Y'all, those two future realities deeply affect your now and your here. 
If you have something to look forward to, it can make suffering have joy. If you have some, if it's everything in the future is miserable, there's going to be a lot of depression even now because it's like, well, there's really nothing else coming. This is as good as it's going to get, and it's bad. <laughs> I don't know if you ever said that uh, to yourself before. If this is as good as it gets, I'm in deep, deep, deep trouble. Hope matters for us. And it is one of God's great gifts that we have in Jesus Christ. He said, through Jesus Christ, you have hope for the future. You are going to be renewed. You're going to have a new body in heaven that does not have decay like we have decay on our bodies here. You're going to have a a mansion. There is much coming for your life. And the Bible talks about this in so many different ways, about the future joy and the hope that we have through Christ. We're going to be face-to-face with God. We're going to be living in communion and in union with Him. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome gift of God. Okay. Now, Paul talks for a minute here not just about hope, but he also talks about faith. And faith, belief, is the way to get that hope. And that's what he says right here. He says, okay, You who were the first to hope in Christ, hope's a big deal. Hope changes a life. You might be, that that you might be to the praise of His glory. And then it says, in Him, that is in Jesus Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, so again, he talks about hearing, about listening, and about gospel. Let's, Let's settle on that for just a minute, this idea of hearing and of gospel. And let me just mention this. Christianity truly is unique. Among religious philosophies, among world religions, Christianity is truly unique. Here's why. Most religions, almost all of them, say this. The primary message is this. Work really hard do some really noble moral things, and you might achieve goodness, nirvana, God's approval, whatever, entry to the promised thing. Okay, so that's always the message. It's always do these things, and then you might get a ticket to better stuff or whatever. But the message of Christianity is the opposite of that. And that's why it's called, in this passage, it says, the gospel of your salvation. Does anybody know what the word gospel means in the Greek? Good news. Good news. This is how Christianity is truly distinct and different. It's news about something that has already been done for you. You are forgiven. You are free. It's saying it's already happened. Jesus Christ has already accomplished it through God's plan. And now all you do is, here's what he says. Look, right here. You hear the word of truth. You listen to it. And you say, wow, (laughs) that is incredible. Jesus Christ has already done it for me. And through him, I have life. I have goodness. I'm not, I I know that it's hard. It's hard to like realize the impact of that, y'all. But it is at the heart of Christianity. When a cult pops up, and a lot of times, y'all, cults are quasi-Christian. They often take the Christian message and they distort them. 
And they distort them in the same way that all other religious systems distort the truth. They say this, behave in a certain way. Dress like us, behave in this way, do this, don't do this. And then, and then it becomes, and you will get approval from God or gods or the God, okay, whatever it is. But here's what happens in a cult. That very quickly morphs from behave in a certain way, dress in a certain way, do these certain things, and you're going to get God's approval to you're going to get the approval of the leader. This is what happens. If you've ever watched Netflix documentaries about cults, I love them, by the way. This is always how it happens. It becomes dress in a certain way, behave in a certain way, and the leader will approve of you. And so then the leader just takes over. And the leader becomes this person that's like doing horrible things to the people in the group because, hey, if you want my approval, if you want me to like you as the supreme leader of this group, you're going to have to do these things. Again, it's a distortion of the gospel because the gospel is it's already been done for you. There isn't something that you have to earn. It's been earned for you through Jesus Christ. Now, all you have to do, the only work for a believer in the gospel, in the truth of Christianity, is to listen. To listen and believe. It says, faith. And believed in Him. It's right there. The gospel of your salvation and believed in Him. It's so awesome. It's so radical. It's so different. It's so sweet. I love it. I really do. I love how the Bible talks about salvation. Now, the end result, y'all, of all this, and the reason that it is this way is because it says up here, it's to the praise of His glory. It says, uh, if you look up here, it says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And then again at the bottom, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. The point is, the, way that, the reason that Christianity is this way is because it's about God's glory. It's not about you. It's not about your deeds of valor and how amazing it is that you are smart and you figured out a good system and you're following God. Nope. It's about the praise of His glory that poor us, weak, miserable people like me can, through hearing, receive the good news that I am utterly and totally forgiven. And it's true for all of us. And amen and amen. 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 Okay, now let's talk. Let's, as we conclude, let's talk for a minute about God's inheritance. And y'all, I'm going to, Jacob, can you switch off that for a minute, just a blank screen? I'm going to read just for a moment from a different translation of the Bible, because I think it's more accurate. Not that the ASV is not great. The ESV is awesome, y'all. You can trust that Bible. You can trust any of the modern translations, okay? Just want to throw that out there. But, I really like how the New American Standard Version of the Bible puts this last little phrase. It says this, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. it's more accurate to talk about God's possession. So it says here for a second, I'm talking, finishing up this part about our inheritance. We talked first of all about hope, right? Our inheritance, the content of our inheritance in God is hope. The second thing is faith. God gives us even the faith to receive the gospel message. And then we're going to end with the love of God. And this is so awesome. The Holy Spirit 
the third person of the Trinity, is given to us as a seal. Now, back then, the way they would have understood seal was like a wax thing that would have closed a letter. A seal, this is kind of dating, you know, this is a a different time, a different era. They would also seal as their property their cattle, but also people, because slavery was a bigger deal back then. But this, this idea of a seal is marking the possession as your own. So what it's saying here is the Holy Spirit, as you believe on Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters your life, and it is a protection. It is locking you into the truth that you are God's possession. And here's what's so cool about this. God is rich beyond compare. And He gives to us His riches. The riches of faith, hope, and love. But, guess what? We are God's wealth. That's what it's talking about here. We're going to read it as we go down a little bit further in Ephesians in chapter 2. But we are, the Bible teaches, God's wealth. This is, we're talking about the creator of the universe... The king of time and space considers us to be the source of his wealth. (laughs) That's amazing. That is the level of love and value God has for you. For you. Wow. I mean, think about it. If you have a really valuable item in your house, let's say you have a painting that's worth $10 million hanging on the wall of your house. Okay, and you also have a computer that has all your like personal information or your phone or whatever. Your house is burning down. What are you going to grab? What are you going to grab? Amen. Who said that? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. The painting and your phone, admittedly, because you need all those contact information and stuff like that. Just saying. Just saying. Things are different now. You grab the painting because it's your most valuable possession. The scriptures teach that over and over about that is where we are in the heart of God, the most valuable possession. His love can never be taken away from you. Now, you experience love on this earth, do you not? You have, you have love from your parents, hopefully a little bit. You have love from friends. You have love from uh, people in your uh, neighborhood, right? But the love of God is so much deeper and so much more real than the love of those people. You have a hand up. Yeah, yeah, Go for it. There might be somebody who would not even bother about anything because we just live. There might be somebody who would not take any of those things because we just live. Forgetting about the most important thing or the most valuable thing. There are somebody who, who would not even take any of them. Either of them. Amen. Yes. Thank you for that point. Okay. I think, let me see if, let me repeat back if I can, can what you're saying. There are people on this earth, many, in Charlottesville, throughout the world, that think that they are a piece of trash or that they are worthless or they don't have value. Is that true? Is that what you're saying? But here we're learning that God is saying, no, you have incredible and infinite value. Is that, what, is that a good summary of what you're saying? No. Um, you no. Have two things in the house. And yes. One is expensive and then something happens. You ask which one the person will take. And which? She said the same thing. Yes. But there are some people who will not even take any of them. Will not even without the possession. They, yeah. they, they, they will not worry about those. They will just leave. Yes, just, that is very true. It's just stuff. Just stuff. Amen. Yes. But of course, for God, it's so much more valuable. And he's not going to leave the house without taking, the, taking us. Something so much more valuable than just a simple painting on a wall. Thank you for, for bringing that up. That's a great point. 
Okay, in conclusion, in conclusio, I'm going to lose my place here. I've got so many pages. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug, this is, let's, let's conclude with this. I think it's a wonderful thought from Doug. One of the things that um, people often think about when it comes to getting all these blessings and this riches and this glory from the Lord is, why is my life so hard? <laughs> right? Like, okay, if God's pouring out his blessings on me, why is life not way easier? And it, why is not, when I think about something I want, it doesn't just appear before me? What's the deal? Well, one of the things Doug and I talked about was, you know what the hardest thing to, the hardest kids to raise in the world are? If you're super rich. It's almost impossible to raise a kid well if you're super rich. Because the more, more, it's very likely that they're going to become entitled and they're going to become jerks. And the reality is God knows exactly what he wants for our character. God knows exactly how he wants us to be loving others. And y'all, sometimes that means we don't get everything that we ask for. I hate to say it. But ultimately, God is loving. And those things are in your life for good. He's promised it. Romans, same guy, Apostle Paul wrote Romans. And he says, everything in your life. I am working together for good for those that I have chosen in Christ. You can trust that He is doing a good work in you at all times. You can trust His love. It's a gift. Thanks, Doug. Let's pray. Lord God, um, we are rich in Christ. And Lord, it's sometimes difficult for us to, to feel it. I don't know if other folks in here today are like me, Lord, but it sometimes feels like I'm making it paycheck to paycheck when it comes to my spirituality and my relationship with you, God. But Lord, I pray that you would make it real today in our lives the wonder of your riches, the wonder of the hope that we have, Lord, that nothing in this life, not death, not suffering, can take us away from the hope of Christ because you've sealed us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I press into us the joy of true hope. Lord, press into us the beauty of the fact that all we have to do to get your riches is believe the gospel. Lord, press into us the joy of knowing that we are your treasured possession. Lord, that even when we feel dirty, even when we feel ashamed, even when we feel guilty, even when we feel sad, your love is always there. I pray, Lord, for everyone in here, including myself, that when we wake up this week in the morning, that our first thought would not be about that small goal that we have to achieve to help our self-esteem, but our first thought out of bed this week would be the fact that we are treasured and loved by the King of the universe. And that He has bought us as His possession through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so...
This is the song. <laughs> I messed our service up this morning a slight a bit. This is the song we're doing for the offertory. Is that right? Okay. So. Yeah. Is that okay? Are you guys cool? Okay. Okay. So normally we do the offertory right before the sermon. We're going to do it right now after the sermon. Let me pray for us as we enter this time of giving. Lord God, as we just talked about from Ephesians, all good gifts are from above. They're from you. Lord, you are the great provider. You are the great giver. Lord, I pray that you would work that same character into us through Christ. And Lord, here we come this morning to offer you just a small portion of what you have offered us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're going to sing during this time 10,000 Reasons. <laughs> 